How are you this morning? We do have the privilege of privileges, and that is to worship and to serve and to know a holy, holy Lord. And um, we proclaim that. We proclaim the very essence of who he is, that he is holy, and that we are his children. We have a chance to be a part of his forever, forever family. We have come into a crossroads within um, this particular time in our church, and we are going to do something that's not normal for us, but uh, I think you'll find that it'll fit in with where we are as a group of believers. We're going to backtrack a little bit and take a look, a good hard look, at what an Acts 2 church looks like. In other words, what the church is supposed to um, be like as formulated by the apostles as they were given orders by Jesus Christ of how to start the church. We have studied enough and we have seen the apostles go from Jerusalem where it was on the day of Pentecost, as we are going to read in a moment, that Peter preached in 3,000 souls, 3,000 new people, new believers started the church. It had to be overwhelming of what are they going to do now? What will we do now? Well, they had specific orders. And when they started the church in Jerusalem, shortly thereafter, there became persecution as we studied and learned. And they left Jerusalem and they went to Judea and they went to Samaria. And then from there, they went to the uttermost parts of the known earth at that time, proclaiming the wonders of Jesus Christ. And therein, starting churches all over the place. Now, what they started, we want to continue. We want to build upon. And so it is, I think, imperative for us as a group of believers. We're moving in really close now to our fourth year anniversary. That comes up next month, the ninth of next month. Well, be four years that we've been in existence as, as what is called the Rock Community Church. And what we want to do, it is our dream on the staff and, and for those in the, in the kind of plannings of our church, it is our dream that we become a church like an Acts 2 church, that we become a unique group of believers that will not conform ourselves into what this new age of churches are trying to do, but rather we will conform ourselves into what was originally thought and originally planned by our Lord. Now, we've been studying through the book of Acts, and we can see it take place. It doesn't, it, it really isn't that difficult to see what, what set the churches apart, what, what gave them their thrust as a group of believers. And it all begins in Acts chapter 2. So, we are going to take a pause from Acts chapter 21 and go back and take a look at Acts chapter 2. And what we are going to do is to spend some weeks in, in investigating what are the traits. There are six of them that, that formulate the church. What builds the church? What did the apostles build the church upon? And it's clearly seen in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 41 to the end of the chapter, as they built this first church in Jerusalem. And it was built upon, as we've mentioned over and over again, six different traits. The traits were the teaching of the apostles, fellowship with one another, communion, having a, a remembrance of who Jesus Christ is in and through their lives, 
Fourthly, praying for one another. Fifth, sharing the uh, finances that they made within their own livelihood with the church so it might function and help other churches function. And sixth, so that they might be a group of people who worship God on a regular basis. Holy is our Lord. And so we would like to see what these things mean. I would, I would appreciate if you would pray for me. It's, this is a little, not much, but a little out of my comfort zone. My comfort zone is to move now into chapter 21 and, and go to verse 1, 2, 3, and, and just work our way through this book. Now, we are going to be doing basically the same thing. We will still be studying line upon line. But what we are going to do is take a look at these six different traits and see how can we become conformed into that type of a New Testament believer. To move aside all the the ideas of uh, this new church that is kind of taking form across these, um, these United States and this world in which we live, but rather that we would be a church that was established long ago. So I'm going to read with you in a moment in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47, and we're going to study that, but we're going to take a little sidetrack to see what is meant when... Peter said to the people, I want you to be a group of people who are continually devoted to the things of God. That's what set those people apart. And I'm going to try with all of my heart to make you and me become that type of people or at least give you an opportunity to hear that that's the type of person that God has really called out in this world in which we live. To be a person who is continually devoted to him. With that in mind, uh, let me make an announcement, please. And I'm going to make two more at the end of this message. So kind of hold on with me, please. This coming Friday, October the 19th, will be what we call Third Friday. Now, if you've heard it all from your friends, you might have heard that Third Friday is kind of a lot of fun. It's, It's a good time. We have a we have what is perhaps the most important thing to a church body. We have a great meal. We eat, we eat pretty good on 30 Fridays. We have uh, round tables all through this room, and we just kind of gather together. And then we have a study. This particular third Friday, we have asked to join us Dr. Edward Curtis. He's a professor of biblical studies and theology at Biola. Now, I don't know this gentleman But last night, after I mentioned that he was going to be one of the speakers this third Friday, one of the guys came up to me afterwards and says, I've been in his class. He says, you are going to love Dr. Curtis. He is a great communicator. And he's going to be teaching on the life of faith as seen in the Old Testament. After he is through, then Pastor Wes and myself will will talk about the life of faith as seen in the New Testament. Dinner begins at 6 o'clock, third Friday, next Friday. It's $10 per person and $5 per child. That's 10 years old and younger. There will be child care available for nursery through sixth graders during the time that we teach, and there is, uh, that is free of charge no, with reservations. Space is limited, though, they tell me. So what we were asking you to do, please, if you would, during this week, call the church office at least by Wednesday, the 17th, 
to make your reservation for both dinner and for kids' care. Uh, if you would, and you, you go on, on, online on your computer, just check out the bulletin on our web page for all information. It should tell you everything what's going on this particular week. Now, let's talk about what I would, ex I believe is, well, let me just share with you. I'm going to just share you my heart just a little bit, just a little bit. There's one thing I would like to do before I'm through, before I finish the course that God has given me to run. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that I know my course now. And um, if, if I were you and you don't know it, I'd be jealous of me. Because I, was, um, I always was jealous of Paul, that he so knew his course. Now, I believe now it's not that hard to figure it out. I think what it takes, though, is, is to be continually devoted to what God would have for you in your life. It is my, it is my heartbeat. I want, to, I want with all of my heart to see us as a body of believers to become a church that is conformed into the image of what the what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wanted us to look like. But we'll not fall prey to this new, new movement of churches across this world in which we live today that has so watered down the very gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that, that you can go in and wonder if, if you're saved at all and not even know. And so what I want, my dream of dreams is before I move on, that I might be able to see us become this type of a church. And so we are going to very seriously go over these traits and talk with you and try to um, challenge you to become this type of person, challenge all of us. So read with me, please, in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 41 to verse 47, a magnificent, absolutely magnificent place in God's word. It says in verse 41, So then, those who had received his word were baptized. His word is Peter. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together, had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then it says, And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I know of no other reason to live than to add to the number of people on this earth those who are being saved. God has called you and me to a particular area at a particular time. We live in this area not for um, just by chance. We don't come to this church by chance. We are here for a reason and for a purpose, and that is to see people being saved as we grow and mature in our own faith. Just a little story, and then let me pray. Oh, let me tell you the story first, and then I'll pray. 
couple weeks ago, um, I went to one of my best friend's funeral for his mother. And it was a very lovely funeral. It really was. Um, and I sat in the back, and, and one, a friend of mine came up. He was back in San Pedro. And a friend of mine came up who I hadn't seen since he was a little boy. <laughs> and it just was great. And it was just so good to see him again. I was in his brother-in-law's wedding, his sister's wedding, a long time ago. And he was one of the, I don't know, ring bearer or something. And he sat down alongside of me, and we started visiting afterwards, and how you doing and all that. And he's going to be running for dis, uh, district attorney. I can't believe how much he's grown up and, and how wonderful he's grown up. And um, he's, he does a lot of things on one of the universities here, uh, uh, schools where I went to school. And, and uh, he said to me, I, I'm, 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 I'm speaking to some of the teens about just life in general and how they have to be careful um, now that they are at this university and how they can get into trouble so easily and blah, blah, blah. And he says, I want you to come with me and speak. And I said, no, I'll come with you if I can bring my son. Because I knew John Mark would love going on the university. But I says, I don't want any, I don't want to speak. I don't want to have anything to do with all of that. And so we went. Midway through his talk, I'm listening to it all, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting back there, and I'm praying for these young men. They, just a unique group of athletes that are there at the university. And so uh, it dawned on me like a bolt of lightning why I was there. And I wasn't there to take my son to the university. I wasn't there for any other reason other than this guy that invited me. Because when we were at the funeral, I told him what I was doing. He knew. And he says, man, you're, you're like my wife. Well, you guys are just really in love with the Lord. And it dawned on me while I was sitting there that I was there to teach, to, to share Jesus Christ with this kid. Kid, he's now a man. And I told him so afterwards. Knew him well enough that I just grabbed him by his throat, not literally, but, and I says, your wife has been praying for you, hasn't she? He says, oh, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to be praying for you. I want you to come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He says, I'm a skeptic. I says, great. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And we talked. And I'm going to keep you up abreast of what happens in this young man's life and see if he will not come to Christ. And that's the reason we are alive, folks. I'm sure of it. That we do not come upon people by accident. We don't just happen to be someplace and happen to do this or happen to work there or happen to go to church here. God has a plan for us. And he wants us to be continually devoted to him, to be thinking about what would he do if he were here. If the Lord was going to come back, let's say, not tomorrow, that's kind of too urgent. Let's say he's going to come back, and you and I know it. We know it, we know it, we know it. He's coming back next Thursday. What would your life, how would your life change? Where would your priorities start to fall? I think it's a great way to live. I've tried. I don't do it successfully all the time. But I try to live my life this day as if the Lord was going to come back tonight. And what would he find me doing? And would he be pleased with what I am doing? It's the kind of church I want us to become. You need to know this. Father, 
would you do us the greatest favor that anyone could ever do to any group of people? Would you please, dear Father, as you say in the book of Psalms, open up our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your law. As we read through, Father, your scriptures and see the people who blessed you and those who cursed you, may we learn from the good as well as from the bad. May we treat our lives as really precious. This life that you've given us today, we are not here by accident. We are not living in these days just by accident. We are here for a purpose. May we all catch what that purpose is. May we be a people, by your grace, who are continually devoted to you. And so, Father, please move me aside. Let's, uh, let's catch this vision of what the Rock Community Church can look like. Let's catch this vision of where you want us to go. And, Father, it is my deepest belief that this community, your Belinda, and the surrounding communities, and this world in which we live, we will have an impact upon it. Not because of who we are, but because if we become people who are having favor with you, you will add to your number, day by day, those who are being saved here. May we live that type of life, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you and I were to search through the scriptures, and I'm sure you've done this, you would see one common theme come up over and over and over again. And that theme would be that God asks of his people to be continually devoted to him. As you see in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is key. It says that these new believers... 3,000 souls, as they started this church in Jerusalem, they were continually, continually devoting themselves. And it, say, and it mentions six different things that they were devoting themselves to. Now, I made it a theme some time ago. I mean, a few years ago with us, when we were studying through the book of John, when we were back at the movie theaters, and when we were back at that place called the Forum up there on the hill on Lakeview. no. Fairmont. I made it a point, and I'm, I think you'll remember, as I said to you over and over again, I, and I don't believe the Lord is concerned about how you and I began our walk with Jesus Christ. I think that's irrelevant. But as your pastor, more importantly, as your friend, and, and I would love to see that happen at this church, that this position not be so exalted, but just be one of us. One of us who just happens to have whatever gift it is that that person has, in this case myself, and, and, but it's no better or no worse than any other gift in this place. And so as more than as your pastor, as your friend, I am terribly concerned as to how you and I will finish our walk with Jesus Christ. To become an Acts 2 church, to become an Acts 2 believer, you and I will, must concern ourselves with each other. We must, we must help each other 
finish or attempt to finish our walk with Jesus Christ here at the Rock. Make no mistake about this. This is truth. To make it through this thing that we call life, you and I are going to need one another desperately. The Lord has made us specifically that none of us is an island, not a one of us. We are desperately in need of one another. That's why I believe the Lord God made it clear that he would give different gifts to different people as he so saw fit within our lives. To some, he, he gave this gift, and to some, he gave that gift. He, he gave a gift called a spiritual gift to every single one of us the moment we come to Christ. And he asks us to use these gifts to build up the body of Christ. In, in 2 Corinthians, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. It says, Paul writes, he said, look, in about the 17th verse, he says, not all of you are eyes. If all of you were eyes, where would the hearing be? And not all of you are ears, because if you were all ears, where would the sense of smell be? No, he has given us the example of the body of Christ as a body. And each part is desperately needed. And no part is, is, is less than the other when it comes down to the, the whole of it. Have you, ever, have you ever done, well, you know, say your wife rearranges the furniture for who knows what reason. And at nighttime you're walking to, to the bathroom and you hit your toe. This is very personal, I know. And you break your little toe, the little guy, that means nothing until you have to walk on it and put it in a shoe for a couple of days thereafter. And then you start limping, and what do you do? You end up hurting your back. I know, this is very personal. <laughs> the point is that every part of us is necessary, and every part of our body is essential. And if you think not, just hurt one little part, and it throws everything else a little off kilter. Every single one of us is needed. And these gifts that you receive and that I have, that the Lord God has given us once we come to believe in him, is given for a purpose. Turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Now, we're going to go over these verses often, as we will verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, because there are the key ingredients of why we are what we are and why are we are to become a people like an Acts 2 believer and an Acts 2 church. I mentioned verse 11 to you many times in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, God gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Now I've mentioned to you, that those are not all the gifts. But when the, within the framework of the church, when the church is being established, those gifts are extremely important. You know why? They have one thing in common. They are all teaching gifts. They are all gifts that are speaking gifts, teaching the Word of God gifts. The reason they are so important, but not more important than any other, but the reason they're so important and mentioned is because without the Word of God, the church cannot function and grow. So that's an important part of the church, but it's not the only part. But the reason he has given gifts, as it mentions in verse 11, we find out in verse 12. And the reason is so that we might equip 
the saints within the church. Each gift has been given to help equip the other person. Your gifts over there are essential to the gifts of some of the people over there, and you might not even know who they are. And your gifts over here might be essential for some of the people over there, and you don't even know who they are or that you're using your gift in that fashion. But it will equip us. And for what reason? Why do we become equipped? The next part of verse 12 tells us, for the work of service, so that we can do what God has called us to do within the body of Christ. And the reason you and I are to work the gifts that we have so as to serve the Lord with the gifts that he has so graciously given us is at the end of verse 12, so that we may build up the body of Christ. That word build up means to mature. Your gift, my gift, does something within the body of Christ. It helps mature us. It helps build us up. And so, as you can see, you and I have been called to hold each other accountable to help each other grow or mature or better, I think, understood, help us finish the course that God has laid before us as we equip one another for the work of service so that we might build up God's body, the body of Christ, to be a group of people who are continually devoted to the things and to the people of God. That's your call. This life that we live as believers is not a dress rehearsal. This is the only shot you and I will have at this. What you did tomorrow can't be undone. It is out there. It's laying out there just as big as could be. And the way you treated people yesterday and the way you dealt with people yesterday can be for your benefit and for the Lord's benefit or for your detriment or the Lord's detriment. So you and I have to understand that we need to mature in our faith. We need to build up, grow up in the body of Christ so that we become people who live out our lives in a fashion that we become continually devoted to the things of God. As I was on that campus the other day, watched that man speak, it became apparent to me beyond any any other reason of why I was there listening to that talk. It had nothing to do with that school. It had nothing to do with meeting some of the coaches. It had everything to do with that man coming to Jesus Christ. And maybe, by the grace of God, God will allow me. In fact, when I was coming here this morning, all of a sudden my phone had been acting up, and all of a sudden my cell phone um, let me know there was a message on there that was a day or two old. It's been happening. And it was him calling me, telling me he let his wife listen to the things that I said on his cell phone. She listened to it, and he says, I'm watching my wife right now cry over what you said. I don't remember exactly what I said. But I know I told him, I'm going to make you come to Christ if I can. I've got you. I've got you in my sights. Now, I don't talk to everybody this way, but I know this kid. I know this guy when he was a kid. I've got him in my sights. It would be impossible for you and me to do what God has called us to do, of course, without him. That goes without saying. But it would be impossible for us to do what God's called us to do without one another. We need each other. 
want to show, I want to prove it to you. Probably the, the, the easiest proof text is in Genesis chapter 2. The beginning of life. God had built, or built, God uh, created everything on this earth. And out of the dust of the earth, God formed what? A man. Oh, my gosh. Went to him and breathed into him the breath of life. And he became, Adam became a living being. And from that moment on, God and Adam were walking on the earth together. A little while later, well, let's not a little while later. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 18. In the garden, what did God say to Adam at the very beginning of life? The Lord God, it says in verse 18, said, Adam, it is what? It is not good for you to what? Be alone. Wait a minute. Here's God and Adam walking arm in arm. And yet God said to Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. I am going to make you a helper suitable for you. When God said that, I will make you a helper suitable for you, it meant literally, I am going to bring into your life someone who will help complete you as a being. And so from the very beginning of time, there is a display of of our need for others to help complete us as a being. Now, I understand God brought the woman into Adam's life so that she could complete him and they could have children. But God could have had us have children myriads of different ways. Automatically, by ourselves. I want a kid. Kids. (laughs) Men and women. God could have done anything he wanted. No, God brought the woman into the man's life to help complete him as a being. So from the very beginning of time, there was a need for others within our life. Therefore, As we dream about becoming an Acts 2 church full of Acts 2 believers, you need to know, first and foremost, that it cannot happen without your becoming the person who is fully and completely, continually devoted to what God, God has called you to be as a believer. And it cannot happen without your helping others of us grow in our love and our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. We need one another. We need to become a people who are continually devoted to the things of God. And so first and foremost, of all of this lesson that I want to start us with as an Acts 2 type of church, filled with Acts 2 type of believers, is that you and I understand how desperately we need one another. (laughs) How desperately it is. You know, when I went up and sang with you 
Last week, that was purely off the cuff. But once I did it the first time, I did it all the other two. And I can't tell you how you made me feel so comfortable. I needed that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have come back the other two times. It is interesting how we can encourage each other. And I don't even believe you knew this. But I wouldn't have done it again without you there. We just need each other to become all that God wants us to become. Now, I want you to look with me as we're going to go to a couple of different places in Scripture. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to, to examine what some of the different books and, and apostles say about being continually or fully devoted to their call of following Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul's words here in 2 Timothy 4. Verses 6, 7, and 8. Paul begins in verse 6 for saying, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Let me just explain to you something of the heart of Paul. Just by that short statement. This is just a kind of a little rabbit trail, not one, not huge. A drink offering was the lowest of offerings that anyone could offer to the Lord. It wasn't, it, it, they didn't have enough money to purchase an animal they they didn't they weren't able to grow an animal that was without blemish they had no animal to offer unto the lord they had no oil they had nothing to offer to the lord all they had was some water that they could have got in a brook they could have got anywhere brought this water to the altar where the Flames were flaming, and they threw the water on the flames, and, it wa- and the water became almost instantly steam. It went, and it rose up into the heavens. That was what was called a drink offering. Paul, as he does of himself, humbles himself, saying, I offered unto the Lord the most menial of offerings, a drink offering. He says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. He says, the time of my departure has come. Paul's talking about the end of his life. Yet he says in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. He says, I have finished the course. I want you to note what he says. And I have kept the faith. That's a, that word kept means it was something that was a continual at time of action, a continual action that went on from, from before to today to tomorrow. Kept means a continual life of a long-lived commitment to Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul says in verse 8, in the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. In other words, he's going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Which he says, the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And, oh, not only to me, Paul says, but also to you and you and you. And me, to all of us who've loved his appearing. All of us who have fought the good fight. 
finished the course that God has given us. Kept, kept, kept our faith. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Excuse me, chapter 3. Verses 6, 7, 8. Paul receives a message from his spiritual son, Timothy. And it says in verse 6, Now that Timothy has come to us from you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6, 7, and 8. 1 Thessalonians. Now that Timothy has come to us from you, and he has brought us good news of your faith and your love, and that you always, continually, always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, Paul writes, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now, Paul writes, we really live. If you what? If you stand firm in the Lord. In other words, if you continue to stand firm in the Lord. The more and more you and I will read Scripture, the more and more we will see the common thread of one theme, and that is to be continually devoted to the things of God in and through our lives. Look at 3 John, verses 3 and 4. Now, 2nd and 3rd John are only one chapter, so you don't say the chapter. When you say 3rd John 3, 4, it's not 3rd John chapter 3 because there is no such thing. It's just one chapter in 3rd John, just one message, just one book, and verses 3 and 4. And John says these things. I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, how you are, note, how you are. In other words, right now, you are continuing to walk in truth. He says in verse 4, what I say as the pastor of this church, he says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children, what? Walking, right now, continuing to walk in the truth. That brought Paul, I mean John, great, great joy. That ought to be the theme of us as believers. That joy comes in our life when we hear of people within our church walking in the truth, continuing to be devoted to the things of God. Last place I want you to turn to is Hebrews chapter 12. One of my favorite, favorite places because in these few verses, so much, so much truth lies within these few verses. I've, uh, I've read these verses a few times in my life. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews writes, Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. In other words, Get rid of that sin in your life, boy. It's entangling you. Rather, the writer writes, let us run with what? With endurance. In other words, it's not a sprint. This thing called Christianity isn't a sprint. It is a long-distance run. It is an endurance run. 
Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. The course that the Lord God has given you and me. Let us run it with endurance. In other words, let us continue on a continual basis run this race. How do we... How do we manage to run this race with endurance and not grow weary? Look, verse 2, let's fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, it says in verse 3. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, Consider him. Fix your eyes on him. The end of verse 3. So that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. So that at the end of our days on this earth, we will not have lost our first love of Christ. We will be a people who are continually devoted to the things of God. So that we will not grow weary We won't lose heart. People ask me, how come you're so passionate? It's because I fix my eyes on Jesus. I consider him as if he were here. What would this message be like if he was sitting right there? I hope it wouldn't be any different. Except I wouldn't be able to open my mouth. That's going to be a problem. In other words, folks, so that we will not grow weary and lose heart, so that we will continue in our devotion to our Lord and our walk with Jesus Christ. Too many of us come to Christ to get from the Lord. I was once. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for one reason and one reason only. It was so that I would not go to hell. I was scared to death that I was going to go to hell. That was the best trait I had as a young man best trait I had when someone shared Jesus Christ with me was that I knew I was a sinner. No one had to convince me that you're a sinner. I knew that. And I knew enough about the Bible that says sinners were going to go to hell. And that's where I believed my destiny was destined to go. So I came to Christ selfishly so that I would not go to hell. The more I've grown in my faith, the more I understand It's not all about what I am supposed to get from the Lord, but rather how I am on this earth to serve Him and to give back to Him the rest of my life for what He has so graciously given to me, eternal life. My life, your life, our life ought to be lives that are lived, that are continually devoted to Him day and night. How do you do it? How do you not grow weary and lose heart? Fix your eyes on Him. Consider Him for what He has done for you. And start giving back to Him rather than always saying, give me, give me, give me. When Paul was asked, don't go to Jerusalem, Paul, in the 22nd chapter, which we'll get back to someday, when they said to him in the 21st chapter, Paul, don't go back to Jerusalem, they're going to want to kill you. They're going to put you in bonds and in affliction. They will want to kill you. Don't go. And he looked at them in chapter 21 and verse 13, and he says, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? 
He says, I am not only willing to go back to Jerusalem and to be put in bonds, but if necessary, I am willing to go back to Jerusalem and die for my Savior. Now, I'm not going to ask you to go that far in your life, that you would die. Not physically. What I would ask you is what I believe the Lord would ask any one of us here, and that is, would we die to the things of this world and be completely and continually devoted to Him so that we can become a church that glorifies His name? Listen, if Paul could do it, so can we. We can do it. All we have to do is fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Consider him and what he did on the cross for you so that when you consider, ever consider giving up, you will not give up. You will not grow weary and lose heart. In the weeks to come, we're going to be talking about this whole theme of this type of church. Last week, I asked you to to take a look at this brochure. It's a stewardship brochure. I asked you to take a look at it and take it home with you and, and read through it. Read it with your family. Get to know it. We believe it's very good. I want you to keep a hold of this. If you don't have one, if you didn't get one last week, there's more out in the foyer. Maybe the ushers will have them. I don't know. Will you, Dave? The ushers will have some as you leave. Yeah, Bob. So take one of these with you, please. Read through it with your family. In your bulletin, in your bulletin is this. It's called an Acts to Church. You can see it up there on the, on the screen. It's like a racetrack. It's, it's, it's with the lanes in there. And, and there are six lanes. There's a, the lane of teaching and a lane of fellowship and communion and prayer and giving and praise, worship. I would love for you to take a look at this and, and keep it. There's holes punched in it, and we've, we have given you a notebook. If you're not, we'll give you a notebook, and we're going to give you more handouts as the weeks go by so that you can kind of uh, remind yourself of what we are trying to do as a church and, and where we're, we're hoping to go as a family of God. I have great dreams for you and for me. I believe God's going to do something wonderful with us. I look forward to whatever that might be. It will not happen unless each one of us get on board. Unless each of us want to be a people continually devoted. Father, please, please open up our eyes. We might see. Please, dear Father, may we be a people who understand the theme that runs throughout Scripture, and that is that you called people to yourself who would be continually devoted to you for all of their life. What more, what more could we, could we do than to give you back our lives in return for what you did at the cross? You have promised for each and every single one of us an eternity with you in a place called heaven. I know 
That's hard to comprehend, Lord, for us. But if we think about it to any length or any degree at all, it goes beyond our imagination and our wildest dreams to think that we could walk hand in hand with you for eternity. Now, Father, please, would you bless us as we go from here? Allow each of us to be careful, especially the people who are driving right now because the streets are a little wet. Oh, Father, would you bring us all back this afternoon so that we can have our baptism together and really enjoy that time as a group of people. Now, Father, bless us as we go. Let the people know how much I love them, please. In Jesus' name, amen. I do love you more than you'll ever know.